Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Welcome to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm sitting in for my dad, Tim Wildman, who will be back in the chair next week on Monday. Tim Wildman will be back hosting today's issues. In the meantime, I have Ed Vitagliano joining me. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. And we have Ray Pritchard from Kansas City joining us. Ray, glad to have you on today. Thank you, Walker. Good to be here. And Chris Woodward is filling in for Fred Jackson for the week. Good morning. Glad to have you on, Chris. Thank you. You've become a regular now on today's issue. I made it, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you could make you, maybe you could say it a little louder yeah. on the air. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think she might have heard me <laughs> without it being on the radio. <laughs> your your dreams have come true, Chris. Glad we can play a part of it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, if you want to watch the show online, you can go to our Today's Issues Facebook or YouTube page until we're canceled. <laughs> right now, we're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. You can go there and just type in today's issues and watch the show. As always, we like to mention the website and the app. The AFR.net website is a way to listen, but also we have the mobile app you can download. I have it on my phone here. It takes a couple minutes, and you're able to listen to not only live programming, but you can catch past shows there called podcasts on our AFR app. All right, well, let's uh, jump right into the news, Chris. Get us started. Well, the White House is expressing concern over the uh, police-involved shooting of a 16-year-old knife-wielding lady, young lady, in uh, Ohio. This was a couple of days ago. Uh, It was actually about 20 minutes before the verdict came down in the Derek Chauvin or Chauvin trial. Uh, But yesterday, the White House uh, weighed in on the situation involving the white police officer and the black teenager. Uh, We've got some sound here. We're going to do clip four. Old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and Latino people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. Our focus is on um, working to address systemic racism and implicit bias head on and, of course, to passing laws and legislation that will put much needed reforms into place at police departments around the country. What, so people are talking about that Newsmax. It's a big discussion with the civil rights activist Bob Woodson at the uh, this very moment. Uh, LeBron James also weighed in. So what a, what we just heard there for our listeners, because yes. that was set up very quickly, that was Jen Psaki. Mm-hmm. That was the White House press secretary commenting on the the tragic shooting there in Columbus a couple of days ago. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, now, um, it comes at a time in which the administration maintains that we have systematic racism, that we are a racist country, that – this white cop shot the black person because that cop is racist. I'm, I'm paraphrasing the entire situation here. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's not the first time they've said this. It won't be the last time. Uh, it was a big subject of conversation, as many people would expect yesterday. There was actually uh, a lot of uh, chatter about it as well uh, on the various uh, television networks. I want to begin with uh, another clip here uh, because this particular montage begins with some uh, misinformation or outright lies. Clip three. Nakia Bryant, a 16-year-old girl in Columbus, Ohio, called the police for help. An officer was on the scene, and in 22 seconds, he shot her dead. What if it were a member of your family, your neighbor, uh, in a uh, 
essentially a, a teenage fight, a schoolyard fight. So many other black people will face similar fates. The police will not exercise discretion, will not use a reduced sense of engagement to preserve black life. Now, wow. I'm talking about the misinformation there. The investigation is still going. We're going to learn more about this. But right now, it's it's very disputed that she herself, the knife-wielding teen, called police to the scene yeah. and in 22 seconds that she was dead. If I could bet, one of those clips came from CNN. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't know where those clips came from, but I would bet they're on CNN. Am I right? I'm not sure as to every the montage. That was, source. That was, was a basically montage of three, various That networks. was three a, a montage of three commentators yes. on different networks mm-hmm. com- commenting on the shooting. You know, this is uh, just to set this up for, for those who haven't kept up with this the past few days. Uh, this was a basically a domestic dispute, which happens pretty often mm-hmm. with law enforcement. A domestic dispute where you have teenagers and others, maybe even 18-plus adults outside, brawling in the yard. And the 911 audio Mm -hmm. now that's released, one of the homeowners calls and says, someone is trying to stab us. That's a quote uh, on the 911 call. Officer shows up, 16-year-old female is welding a knife, Mm -hmm. going to stab another individual, another female, and the officer discharges his firearm. That's the setting that brought all this up, Ed. Well, and the commentary we just heard in that montage mm-hmm. is uh, is self-contradictory because the impression being given is that white police officers uh, come ready to discharge their weapons on black people, and if, is it Makia or Makaya? I'm not sure. I've okay. heard it either way. Uh, if M- Makia Bryant was the one who made the phone call, let's say that that montage was was accurate, and in 22 seconds the police officer discharges his weapon, well, that police officer arriving arriving on the scene is not going to know who Makia Bryant is. He, yeah. he doesn't know which one called. This is a police officer who sees someone with a knife trying to stab somebody else, I'm guessing, although I don't know, that he shouted warnings and had his weapon out to defend the person who was going to be victimized by the knife-wielding person. But that montage it has to be a misrepresentation of the facts because no police officer is going to know who Makia Bryant is. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no way to know that so, going into the situation. So that has to be a misrepresentation at least as far as we know right now, of what happened. Right. And that is because they are in this montage, whoever those people were, and I'm guessing MSNBC and CNN mm-hmm. would be the likely suspects, they have a narrative. Yeah. And the narrative is the white cop comes and shoots the person who he knows made the phone call asking for help. Right. Yeah. And that and and you can prove racist intent behind all of that. In 22 seconds. Yeah, in 22 seconds. Ray... This is, you know, it's it's one thing when we debate an unarmed suspect being shot on whether it was justified or not. That's typically debated, and and in certain circumstances it is justified. But in this case, Ray, the the the, the female suspect has a knife. Look, look, Walker. We've got the body cam video. Mm-hmm. I think it was pretty smart of the police to get that out very very quickly because the body cam video is indisputable. And I'm thinking this really is less about race than it is about how difficult it is to be a police officer in today's world. Because it's exactly what Ed said. 
it doesn't even matter who made the call because when the officer shows up, he's got to make an instantaneous assessment of the situation. He doesn't know who made the call. He doesn't really know who these girls are. But what he sees is one girl with a butcher knife approaching, ready to attack, maim, hurt, possibly kill the other girl. He makes an instantaneous assessment that what he has to do is stop what appears to be a lethal assault. What would have happened if the police had shouted some warning, the girl disregards it, and she goes ahead and takes the knife and kills the other girl? He would be, we, we would never hear the end of it. Police yeah. officer allows a homicide to take place in, right front, in front of him. Yeah. He does nothing. So be- Because the ways, victim's black. That's what we would have heard. Right. That's he what doesn't we would care. Have heard. Right. He doesn't care. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, we've all probably watched enough cop shows. You, you know, I'm guessing that in Columbus, a police officer is not allowed to discharge his weapon in warning. You know, you, no. you would have thought, right. well, why didn't he just shoot into the air to, to, to get everyone's attention right. or shoot into the ground? They're not allowed to do that. No. You right. can't shoot a bullet not knowing where it's going to where the round's going to come down. You're not right. allowed to. You're not allowed to aim at the ground because it can ricochet and hit someone innocent. So he has to decide whether a life is in danger. And with this knife, he said he thought, I'm just guessing, there's a life in danger. I've got to kill the, I've got to shoot the assailant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm- yesterday when, when the uh, chief of police held, held that press conference, mm-hmm. somebody actually asked, why didn't he shoot? the girl in the legs oh, or in the arms. And the police chief said, do you know how difficult that is? Mm-hmm. How that happens in Hollywood movies. Right. It doesn't happen <laughs> in real life. The only, if you're going to shoot, then you've got to shoot for body mass to bring somebody right. down. Yeah. That's what happened here. Yeah. And, and, and even, I mean, see, this is the Monday morning quarterbacking that the media does. And it's, you know, it, it your cynical side wants to say, well, why don't, we'll, we'll just let you police the streets. We'll let you guys in the media, we'll let Chris Cuomo, uh, we'll let him actually patrol the streets. And let's see him shoot someone in the knee when when there's a knife being welded at an innocent bystander. Um, and we all know that that wouldn't last, yeah. that wouldn't last five minutes. Um, and so it's, this is not about, this is not anymore about, whether a shooting is, whether a use of force is justified or not. The law now is really not even a topic of conversation. Right. I'm talking about amongst the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. It's all about a narrative. And the unfortunate thing is, I mentioned this, I think, Monday or Tuesday, is you're going, unfortunately, we're, we're a country, and my dad says this all the time, we're a country of 330-plus million people with thousands of cop to of law enforcement to to civilian interactions a day, there are incidents that are going to go wrong. Right. And right. and 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 the majority of the time, the officers are justified. Sometimes they're not. But if we're going to take every single incident and and make a a, a weak a weak media a storm for a, for an entire week, and then bash the officers, that's not going to take our country anywhere, Chris. Yeah, I know. Well, and. You know, Ray mentioned the phrase, how difficult it is to be a police officer. Certainly, uh, police are in a, a lose-lose situation oftentimes with these situations. Somebody that has made it very difficult to be a police officer is a basketball legend, uh, LeBron James. Uh, and the reason I bring it up is because yesterday, LeBron James tweets, 
uh, what appears to be a picture of the officer in the police-involved shooting of Bryant there in the Columbus, Ohio area. And LeBron, LeBron James says, quote, you're next, hashtag accountability. Now, as you might expect, a lot of people are um, responding to him saying this is not appropriate. The investigation is still underway. It just began. You're jumping to conclusions. This guy did nothing wrong. He saved a life. You shouldn't be doing this, that kind of thing. The National Fraternal Order of Police responded to uh, LeBron James' tweet saying, uh, LeBron, with his vast resources and influence, should educate himself and, frankly, has a responsibility to do so on the facts before weighing in. This is disgraceful and extremely reckless. The officer saved a young girl's life. No amount of gaslighting will change that fact. LeBron ended up deleting the tweet, okay? But he then tried to explain why he deleted the tweet, saying, I'm so tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it is being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system. And they always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability in all caps. I have reaction to this tweet, but what do you guys think thus far? Well, the many times details about these these tragedies come out later, sometimes weeks later, even months later. And it, it's it's astonishing to me, even in our conversations today, we've only stated what we can visually see with our own eyes. And we're not going beyond that. Actually, we don't even know who the 911 callers were in this Columbus, Ohio situation. Even the police don't know who they are yet because the police chief was asked yesterday who were the 911 callers, and the, and the police chief said, we don't know yet. We're still confirming that. And so we played the, 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 the commentators on whatever networks they were on. They were already attributing certain 911 calls to certain people when even the detect the chief of the police mm -hmm. department doesn't even himself know, and he's got direct access to the case. And so what happens is there's misinformation. Yeah, There's misinformation that gets spread for weeks, and then in, in a month from now we'll actually find out the facts involved surrounding this case are different than the way the media spun it to begin with. Well, and I think it's interesting uh, what LeBron James has said and done on a, on a couple of levels. First of all, I noticed that he's backtracked and said that it's not about one officer. Mm -hmm. So even though, in my opinion, he's wrong attributing guilt to this police officer, now that he's been made aware that he was reckless in his tweet and in his rush to judgment, now he's saying, well, it's not really about this one officer anyway. It's about all white police officers and the injustice uh, that runs rampant when they interact with the black community. And then second of all, his hashtag, he, when he uh, put the picture of mm -hmm. the white cop in his tweet and said, you're next, hourglass, times, you know, sand mm -hmm. running out, times running out, hashtag accountability. And LeBron James is refusing to take responsibility and to be held accountable for his reckless tweet. Mm -hmm. So he's hashtagging accountability to the cop while refusing to take responsibility for his rash actions. Yeah, and I don't think he will be. I mean, the news media is clearly on LeBron's side here. Well, mainstream. How how can he? How can he backtrack in terms of admitting that he's wrong on this because the narrative is all white cops are racist. Mm -hmm. The system is racist. If LeBron James were to walk that sentiment back and say, "Well, 
this white cop did what was probably expected of him under the circumstances, he'd get attacked, LeBron James. Yeah. I wonder what the white police officers that were part of the victory parades for the Miami Heat, Cleveland Cavaliers, and L.A. Lakers uh, that have escorted Mr. James down the street as part of winning championships think about this. Yeah. It stands to reason some of those cops were white guys. Mm-hmm. You know, on another day, what LeBron James did would be called bounty hunting. Uh, it would be it would be considered vigilantism. He basically, by putting that officer's picture up there, is encouraging. I know he didn't say it, but by putting the picture up there, he's encouraging a kind of uh, unhinged people to take personal revenge on this police officer. When you go down that road, you're you're, you're heading in a very dangerous direction. Well, Walker, isn't yeah. that what they always said about Donald Trump? All we've heard about since January 6th is that Donald Trump's words encouraged the, quote-unquote, the insurrection yes. on January 6th. Yes. So you can, make, you can make that argument about anybody. Words do matter. They are important, okay? But it's got to the, – the door's got to swing both ways here. Right. And so if you're going to say President Trump has to be held accountable mm-hmm. for his words, then LeBron James – this is uh, what uh, Ray is talking about. LeBron James should be held accountable – for yeah. his words via this tweet. Yeah, the Democrats, they're known for, and this, this um, when I say the Democrats now, it includes the media. That's just, that's the political arm of the Democrat Party is the media. They, they have a set standard, but it only applies to their political enemies. <laughs> right. Their own standard doesn't even apply to themselves. And this is a prime example. Maxine Waters can incite violence, but go. she's a Democrat, so she can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we've even we've even heard Democrats say something to the extent of, "Well, basically, we can do this because our cause is justified." Remember last year we had Don Lemon say that that right, basically rioting and looting is okay as long as the cause is justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Maxine Waters said, "Stay in the streets. Let them know you're here." Yeah, be more confrontational. Yeah, yeah. but if we if, push back, if, but if conservatives do that for our causes, which we don't, then that would be roundly rebuked, even yes. by people on our own count. I no. think what's going to happen with LeBron, a couple of things. Number one, people will talk about this throughout much of today on ESPN, uh, but they'll have programs come on and they'll maybe even do a big uh, story on this or whatever else, and it'll be more about how he's frustrated, and he's just you know he's trying to be a leader and and be vocal. It'll be more about him than what sure. he did. And that's how sure. it will be excused because the media, as we heard in the montage, is clearly on one side of this issue and they're not moving. Mm-hmm. So this will not be a story beyond all you know a few networks that are actually talking about it today. Yeah. What you, what else you got, Chris? All right. Well, today is Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, everybody! I forgot to get you a card. I actually it's, it's, didn't it's... get you a card to save a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that's good. Thank yes. you for celebrating Earth Day. I, do what I, I am by the environmental me an Earth reporter. Day card. Yes. Chris, this just makes me excited. Well, it does. Now, I want to bring this up. Makes me want to go hug a tree. Oh, it's just endless. We could go on forever. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to bring this up because uh, it's Earth Day. The president has, uh, as part of his observance, he's participating in something called a virtual climate meeting where they're going to get together over Skype or something and talk about curbing emissions. The president wants to cut U.S. emissions by half in the next nine years. It's a very uh, prestigious goal, probably mathematically impossible for him to do so. But I have some sound here. Uh, this is a gentleman who is among the many uh, laid-off Keystone XL pipeline workers. His name is Lynn Allen, and he spoke to Fox and Friends today about the impact of the Democrats' climate vision, clip nine. 
There is a multitude of oil and gas workers that are hurting and they need to go to work. And oil and gas, or the, the electric and the solar is not going to be the main pusher in the world. Oil and gas is. Why does America have to suffer? And all of these other countries, Russia or China or Ukraine or Africa, why, why are they not the leaders in all of this so-called climate change? Why is America? But every time we do all of the, the climate change, why is the American people always heard about it? Now, it's, yeah. it again is Earth Day. This man, obviously not in uh, celebration with President Biden. And to I, be- I got I to gotta say, I'm insulted that this man tried to imitate a Yankee. That was off-putting. He's really. one of my people. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks good. We all do. Well, the, the, he's we're, right, where though. We live. The, the, po- the policies are not only bad for the economy, bad for workers, talking about these so-called climate change policies, but they help our adversaries. Mm-hmm. Talked about this a little bit yesterday. They help our adversaries, and practically speaking, in many cases, they don't work. Uh, try, try, try driving an 18-wheeler pulling 30,000 pounds with a with a hybrid, <laughs> with a Prius, with ba- right. with a golf cart, with batteries. It's not going to work. Um, and, and so you know, you'll see even the president mm-hmm. who's uh, leading the charge right against uh, so-called climate change, and he himself. Uh, which he hasn't been flying much because he hasn't left D.C. Mm. but a couple times. But, I mean, th- th- they guzzle the most gas out of any of, they gas do. Out of any of us. Oh, the presidential limo, for example, is is it weighs far more than your average car because it's got so much armor plating and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the presidential limo probably gets single digits um, miles, miles to the gallon yeah. just because it's so heavy. Yeah, the 20-car 20 20 car, uh, caravan, uh, all gasoline mm-hmm. burning, you know, and— we, we've joked about this before. If if climate change is so urgent and the, the oceans are rising and they're going to take over President Obama's house mm-hmm. on Martha's Vineyard, yes. then l- let's let them start the charge of not flying on jets, Ed, and not driving in gas-run uh, vehicles. Yeah, I, I do want to say I, I take Earth Day very seriously. I do celebrate Earth Day, and let me tell you how. I thank you, Almighty God, for creating this wonderful planet that we live on, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give God the glory for the for the nature and everything He has created. So let's start with making our discussions about the planet and everything else God centered. That's right. Okay, you're not going to hear that from the left mm-hmm. because Earth Day is essentially an Earth worship, pagan infused movement. Mm. Um, so let me just get that, and I, I had to have a little bit of a. Uh, uh, of a, a preaching moment. Well, that's that brings up a good point. Like the the creation or inaugural Earth Day predates my arrival on this Earth that God created. Really though, really. Yeah, well, it's, it goes back to the seventies. Did you okay. did you get like Earth Day curriculum in schools growing no, no, up? Or? No, no, no. Okay, it is all, now though. That all came. That'll came long after I, I was out of high school. Chris, I thought you were talking about like Genesis. Oh, no, like, no, no. The, the, the real Earth Day when God created yes, yeah. the yeah. Earth. That also predates and me. And then you said, yes. you know, I wasn't around then. And I thought, really? <laughs> hey, I may have gray hair, but I'm not that old. <laughs> Moses. 
<laughs> All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to today's issues. We'll be back in a few minutes with more news of the day. Friday. Star Trek question. What powers the impulse drive? Dilithium crystals? My second cousin twice removed was on dilithium <laughs> crystals. And every time when everybody was sitting around trying to have some peace and quiet, his arm would fly up in the air. You didn't know if he was trying to salute you or get somebody's attention. Trivia Friday, 10 a.m. Central. And two different times when he tried to say something, the garage door went up and down. On American Family Radio. Random. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Chris Marcris lost both of his legs to diabetes, but he hasn't let his medical issues stand in the way of living life. That's why he jumped out of an airplane over West Addison, Vermont, skydiving from 10,000 feet. It was a fairly uneventful trip until the landing. That's when Chris realized he was missing one of his prosthetic legs. It had blown off during the jump, a $20,000 leg now missing. So Chris went on Facebook and shared his dilemma. About 100 people turned out to search around the landing zone, and the following day, a farmer found the leg in the middle of a soybean field. A terrific story about humanity in the corona crisis. It's nice to know there are still folks out there across the fruited plain willing to lend a helping hand to get a guy back up on his feet. You can now pre-order my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, available wherever you buy your books. I'm Todd Starnes. Thanks for listening to American Family Radio. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 11, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Welcome back to today's issues on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman, sitting in for my dad, Tim Wildman, this week. Ed Vitagliano, Ray Pritchard, and Chris Woodward in studio. Hey, can I just uh, jump in here for just a second? I, I want to let our listeners know about a very special event we've got coming up one week from tonight. Today's Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One week from tonight, April 29th at 7 p.m., AFA at Home with our own Walker Wildman. Uh, it is a virtual town hall meeting. It is a conversation about spiritual warfare. Folks, if you don't think we're in spiritual warfare, you haven't read the Bible. We are in the midst of intense spiritual warfare in this country. Most of you listening have felt it, are experiencing it. Uh, So we're going to have this virtual town hall meeting. Uh, We're going to be talking about what is spiritual warfare? How can a Christian recognize it? What role do Christians play in this spiritual battle? Can they be victorious? And so the the guests will discuss the theological and real-life aspects of spiritual warfare. We don't want you to miss this opportunity to be equipped for battle. Uh, Guests will include AFR talk show hosts like Miki Addison, Burt Harper, Bishop E.W. Jackson. I'll be on it. Tony Perkins, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Uh, Walker is the host of that program you can pre-register to watch this special event online for free. That's right. It costs you $0 to watch this. It is a week from tonight at 7 p.m. To pre-register, visit afa.net. That's afa.net to watch the AFA at home with Walker Wildman about spiritual warfare. All right. Yeah, go to afa.net, as Ed mentioned, and register for that. It's going to be a great event next week all right chris uh get us started and before you get us started we do have a guest on the line that i shall not forget uh dr alex mcfarlane host of i'm sorry we we were just talking about alex mcfarlane yes we were during the break wait till alex hears what we were saying (laughs) about him (laughs) but uh right now we have on with us which we have each week each week day um most of the week each week, not each weekday. Look at me. I can't even. I'm about to pitch this over to Ed to it, fix. It, it, it happens. I've, I've been in that seat many times. Yeah. <laughs> we have a guest on with us. Let me just say that. Jan Markell from Olive Tree Ministries is on the line with us. Jan, welcome to today's issues. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, Chris, uh, we, we had a topic we wanted to talk to Jan about and get her input on. Yes. Uh, Minneapolis, obviously a place that uh, we have spent many months talking about with a lot right. of the social unrest and whatnot. Um, for those in our listening audience that are not uh, near the city, maybe not in the great state of Minnesota today, Jan, what has the atmosphere been like since the verdict came down involving uh, the former police officer this week? Well, most definitely uh, very tense. And um, grateful that um, that the, the violence was pretty contained right after uh, right after the verdict. We have had a year. It began May twenty fifth, twenty twenty. So just under a year here of uh, tension, uh, turmoil, strife. Um, we, we have a very active Black Lives Matter, and by the way, their comment after the Chauvin trial ended 
day or so ago. Was, I'm quoting them now. We are never going to be satisfied, which is a very, very troubling statement from an organization that obviously has um, very violent proclivities uh, uh, and claims to, to be Marxist-rooted. That's their own organizers say that, not not people like me. Their 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 charter states that. So the fact that they have come out in the last 24 hours, and I'm quoting them. We are never going to be satisfied. Uh, just what that means for America uh, in the future here, I think, is extremely troubling. Yeah, especially because the call um, if, that Black Lives Matter and uh, others who are making this a racial issue, insisting that it is only about race, um, right. th- they are demanding changes to the system. So if you're going to say you're never satisfied, then to me, coming from Black Lives Matter, that demonstrably illustrates the Marxist nature of that organization because what they really want is to overthrow the system. I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't know how else, I don't know how else you can interpret that kind of a statement will never be satisfied, Jan. You are absolutely right. Um, their, their intent is revolution. That's the only way it can be interpreted. Now, this trial isn't really over. We have three more police officers involved in the George Floyd incident. Uh, they they were on deck, so to speak, when um, uh, Officer Chauvin was, had his knee on the, the neck of Mr. Floyd. So these other three officers are also jailed, and their trial begins in August. Now, I have obviously we have no idea how that's going to turn out. If these three uh, officers are also going to be found guilty, it's certainly possible. <clears throat> I think the the jury was, and I, we don't know who the jurors are, nor their thinking. Did some of them operate out of fear? Again, we don't know. But again, do police officers stand a chance in today's climate? I mean, that's the kind of question I'm asking. Jan, do you know whether or not the the other three officers are going to be tried together or individually? I believe they're going to be tried together. I don't know that for sure, but the things I've read, it appears they will be tried together. So that means, if depending on how it goes, it could be a well, that would be in August sometime. Uh, we have a long hot summer ahead yeah. of us, and. Um, it's, it, it, I mean, obviously this has struck in many other cities, and I just encourage um, the wonderful AFR audience, and we've ministered now to them for, I would guess, five to six years, and we, we love every one of them, but to be earnestly praying for stability <clears throat> in our country, and I, I think of the verse in, um, I believe it's Isaiah 33, I'm hoping I have that verse, that chapter right, and that only God is the stability of our times. And boy, have I come to reflect on that in the last year. Yeah, you're right, Jan. We need stability. And Satan would would, would love nothing more than more instability. Right. And we see, yeah. we see him using people um, and groups to, to stir up more hatred and division amongst, amongst our citizens here in America. Exactly. So, uh, Jan, uh, thank you for coming on. Your, uh, your weekend show airs twice on Saturday and Sunday, tell us what time and maybe what you're going to talk about this weekend. Yeah, Central Time, Saturday, 1 p.m., <clears throat> Sunday, 12 noon Central Time. And we'll talk about some of these issues 
and uh, even relate them to the Bible. And the Bible does say the last days are perilous times. So uh, once again, the Bible is more accurate than our newspapers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jan, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Bye now. Boy, she's she's right. They've got a long, hot summer yeah. ahead of them, and especially, uh, you know, groups like Black Lives Matter. Um, they that that group arose out of conflict and exists in conflict. Yeah. So this is April. August is the next big trial. I don't see Black Lives Matter sitting pat yeah. and chilling. Until the next trial, they're going to have to stir stuff up. Ray, if you look at, uh, and Mickey Addison uh, talks about this, and she's actually done a, a, a video um, curriculum that we're going to release here in the next month or two on critical race theory and how groups like BLM, Black Lives Matter, Inc., are Marxist organizations, and they really thrive off of cl- conflict. Right. Ray, if there is no conflict or even perceived conflict, then their agenda cannot uh, go on, if you will, or succeed or move forward. Well, for one thing, they've got the media completely on their side. As we've seen what happened in the last 48 hours since, uh, well, the, the verdict came down, the shooting in Columbus, the media is so completely on the side of Black Lives Matter that it's guaranteed there's going to be another confrontation. The, the shootings are terrible. Everybody agrees on that. Uh, I couldn't blame any police officer. I was thinking about this. Couldn't blame any police officer for saying, I'm not going to answer that call. I am right. just not going to go there. Because no matter what I do, yeah. if it doesn't go exactly right, it's going to blow up in my face. And uh, and I'm going to face a media that doesn't – that that is going to paint me in the worst way possible. And you hate to think about it because the men and women of law enforcement, they sacrificed a great deal to, to, to protect us and to serve us. But you could hardly blame anybody, especially in Chicago, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, San Francisco, a lot of our other big cities, uh, for saying, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to answer that call because that, uh, then the police officer who answered the call for the the girl with the knife, it, he was in a no-win situation right. yeah. from the moment he got there. There was nothing he could do and it, where it was going to end up okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that often often gets overlooked, to your point, Ray, about uh, the, 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 the focus, rather, you know, I don't see anybody in the media interviewing the, the, the female who was saved mm-hmm. from the right. knife attack. Right. Um, asking her and her family how they feel. You know, were you glad the officer showed up and saved your daughter? Uh, and running that story about how there are people who do appreciate the law enforcement mm-hmm. showing up in some of these incidents, but you're not going to see that in, in many news outlets because that doesn't fit the narrative. Um, well, you, you read on social media and how I've been, I've been looking at it, Walker. You've got people saying, it's just a knife fight. What, just, you know, <laughs> just a knife fight. That wasn't just, a small. That wasn't a small knife either. No, no, no. no. Yeah, no, and, no. and 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 listen. Let's 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 be honest here. Uh, a lot of the high crime areas in inner cities, for whatever reason, are primarily minority areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can talk about why that is, but set that discussion aside. That's where police have to go. Right, and. 
you are going to have shootings yeah. in those areas because there's a lot of drugs there, people with guns, people with nothing to lose, even if they're not involved with drugs. Right. Every time cops go into those high-crime areas, something's going to happen. So you're going to have more of these shootings just because, and the media is going to cover it. They didn't cover the incident with the white victim here last uh, late last week mm-hmm. because that didn't fit the narrative. But to your point, Ray, with this cop in Columbus, now his picture, I can't get his picture out of my head. Nobody else is going to get his picture out of their heads. This guy's going to have to move his family to a little community and grow his hair out and grow a beard just so he can live a a normal life. Yeah. Well, the pressure is going to be hugely on the, the BLM people. And their supporters are all over this case. The pressure is going to be on huge for somebody to say, okay, you're going to be suspended. You're not going to be able to serve anymore. Yeah. Um, what, and and he's back to LeBron James, what he did, given his stature, right? his stature, given his following, the millions of people who pay attention to him, it was incredibly irresponsible, incredibly dangerous, I think, to put that – officers picture up and say right. you're next yeah i know you guys share this same uh this same sentiment but i'm thankful for law enforcement um Absolutely. And, and the right. men and women who are out there on the streets protecting our communities uh, god bless them and mm-hmm. anytime you can express your support for law enforcement uh those who put their life on the line each day do, let's uh remember to do that um in a few minutes, we'll have uh, Alex uh, McFarland. We actually will have Alex on yes. <laughs> today, so I wasn't pulling that out of thin air. I knew Alex was going to come on at some point. So and by we'll, the way, we weren't talking bad about Alex uh, when we were talking. We we're kidding around. Yeah, about, we were joking. Yeah, but we were talking about the issue we're going to discuss with Alex. Yeah, I probably made it sound like we were talking bad about Alex. We're we're all we would Alex, never do that. Would we're we? Alex fans <laughs> around here? Yeah, so. that's right. Exactly. All right, Chris, bring us another story before we get Alex on the phone. Well, there is. A lot to uh, to go over here. Uh, it just to give you an idea of what's going on in various uh, state houses. Uh, there is legislation in Oklahoma today that would make Oklahoma a Second Amendment sanctuary state. Uh, basically, if the legislation there in Oklahoma says if a city or county uh, does something that's anti-gun, that's illegal in the state of Oklahoma, you will not be able to do that. That is awaiting the governor's uh, signature. I. So that the governor is in favor so the, of this. The, the aim of that bill is to protect the Second Amendment. Yes, at a time in which a lot of states and municipalities have sought ways to crack down or infringe on someone's Second Amendment rights, Oklahoma wants to do the exact opposite. Yeah, and I do want to note this um, more broadly: the topic of of actually good laws that are passing. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is a negative trend in our country, both politically, spiritually, and we discuss that here on the air every day. Uh, but there are actually there's a there's a wave of of good things happening across the country when it comes to laws, and we've covered it with uh, different states protecting women's sports mm-hmm. and, and 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 recognizing God, God's design for human sexuality. We've seen uh, states like this protecting our constitutional rights. So Ed, there is a there is a trend in in some areas of the country in in the right direction. Yeah, and and of course one of our jobs is to uh, alert. Our listeners alert the church, alert Christians to these negative trends so they can pray, so they can get informed, get equipped, and then get active in those areas because you want to stop those trends from spreading. Uh, But it is good to note that there are, as you both have uh, said, uh, 
there are a lot of good things happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we will send those out sometimes with action alerts, letting people know, hey, there's a victory here, a victory there. There are strong pro-life legislatures around the country. There are a lot of legislatures around the country that uh, uphold the Constitution and want to see constitutional government. And uh, so these things are good. Lot, listen, there are a lot of good Bible-believing churches yeah. and a lot of Christians who believe the Bible are holding steady even while some of the mainstream churches are going down uh, a, a, a bad path. So. Amen. That's good. Well, we have on the, on the line with us Dr. Alex McFarlane, host of uh, Expo- Exploring the Word each weekday at 3 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio. Alex, Alex glad to have you on the show with us. Well, thank you all. Thanks for waiting for me as I got this uh, equipment hooked up. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Alex, before we pitch a topic for you to discuss and get your input on, I do want to applaud you and Brother Bert Harper and the others who sit in for Exploring the Word. I was listening yesterday, and you guys get some tough questions, some tough Bible questions, uh, but, but you take it take those questions head on. So uh, good, good job well, on that show. It's a high-quality show. Well, God bless you, and thank you. Yes, uh, for those who may not be aware, every every day, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, and so forth, wherever you are in the country, Exploring the Word is on the entire AFR network. And uh, we, we teach, for about the first half of the show, we teach Bible. And, you know, Bert and I, in the last decade, have been through the entire Bible a couple of times, and then we take questions. And, and if people have asked this, uh, guys, is it scripted? Do we see the questions ahead of time? And, and we don't. I mean, it's completely live, and uh, we have the privilege of, of giving God's Word what does Scripture say about a lot of issues. And we've even had people pray to accept Christ live on the air. So, I mean, it really has become just the greatest blessing of my life to every day participate in that show. Yeah. Well, Alex, I think what is scripted on that show is the really hard questions Brother Bert pitches them to you. He's 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 told me that. He says, listen, if I get a really hard question, I toss it to the seminary president. Well, I heard and, that and, in know, Bert's there, voice, there are, too. <laughs> you know, uh, Bert and I, we've, we really got chemistry. I mean, and he and I have our, our first book that we've done together is coming out in September, and maybe as we get a little bit closer to that, I'd love to come on and we'll talk about that. But, you know, every now and then there'll be you know, these hard pastoral questions or, you know, people call in, sometimes they've got conflict in their church and they need help, and sometimes I'll say, take it away, Bert. (laughs) Yeah. And that is one wise, he is a wise pastor. He is. Bert is. Hey, Alex. He really is. Hey, Alex, I want to get your thoughts on this story. You know, we've seen this past week where uh, well-known atheist Richard Dawkins had uh, one of his awards revoked over some comments (laughs) He he had on on some of the issues uh, facing facing us today. Tell us a little bit about that story. It's kind of a bizarre story. Well, it is a bizarre story. You know, this has got to be the only time that I will ever agree with Richard Dawkins. <laughs> uh, by the way, some ten or twelve years ago, he had a famous book that came out, and sadly, Richard Dawkins kind of emboldened a lot of young atheists, and he kind of made it hip to be an atheist. And I emailed him. We were supposed to have a dialogue, and he emailed me once. And he said that, quote, he did not interact with flat earthers. 
Oh you know, my as God. If, you oh know, my me, me believing in God was tantamount to believing in a flat earth. But here's the thing. This is where this militant secularism has really come back to haunt them. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Do you remember the name? This is a good piece of pop trivia. Rachel Dolezal. Yep. Does anybody remember oh, that yeah. name? Ed, I bet you. Yes. Your, your call? Yes, she she was a uh, a white lady who, for an entire decade, posed as the black uh, chapter leader for the NC uh, for the NAACP. I almost got the NCAA in trouble. Uh, and this was up, I think, in Washington, Oregon, wasn't it? Maybe California. It seemed like so, it was. So can Washington. Okay. And you know, I've, I've got to tell you, it really for those of us that you know care about truth. And, and, you know, we try to be consistently rational thinkers. It, it was interesting. Okay, she had been a chapter president for the NAACP in Spokane, Washington. And, and tell our, and tell our she, listeners what that means, NAACP. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, right. which is an organization that, you know, really had some good roots in the civil rights era. Um I personally think a lot of the people that have been associated with the NAACP in recent years have been kind of co-opted by, you know, liberal socialist causes. But, you know, here's Rachel Dolezal, and she, you know, wore, you know, uh, like makeup on her skin. She had a certain hairstyle and hair extensions, and she would affect a certain dialect. And she presented herself as black, but it turns out she was very, very, very Caucasian. And when she was called out and she ultimately lost her job, because you know, here she's a president of a chapter of, of a historically black organization, and she had lied. And, you know, people came out and they said, well, we, we suspected she really wasn't African-American. And, but her defense of herself was, but I identify as black. Right. And so she was really scorned. Now, along comes the era of transgenderism, and people that are clearly, without argument, male or female, they identify as a different gender. Now, it's interesting how we've had so many people just excoriate those of us who say, you know, if you're an ex comes a male, you can't change your gender. Uh, so Richard Dawkins, who got this Humanist of the Year Award, he compared transgenders who uh, make believe they can be a different gender to Rachel Dolezal, who made believe that she could be a different ethnicity. And let me say, the ire of the PC social media world came down on Dawkins. You know, how dare you say the transgenders are deluded, you know? But um, isn't it something, the sword of tolerance and the the sword of uh, progressivism only cuts one way when you go against the prevailing narrative, as Dawkins did. uh, He found out very quickly that this tolerance is a one-way street. Yeah, because his award was stripped. Yeah, Richard Dawkins, <laughs> and and now he is yeah. he is he is you know he's a very smart guy, but he is he yeah. is arrogant. He is arrogant, and he of course acted like I don't care if they strip my award. 
But this was back in 1996. He got this American Humanist of the Year award, and they'll reach back into the distant past to cancel you if they can. Retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and let me say this. um, And and by the way, I would encourage people to pray for Richard Dawkins. I, you know, call me naive, but he is is an intelligent person. He's very angry about God. Call me naive, but I pray for his salvation. I really do. Hmm. But, um, you know, it's interesting, guys, and I know we're short on time, so I'll be very brief. Different Christian thinkers over the decades, uh, there was a very well-known Protestant Christian philosopher named Dr. David Noble. He's the founder of Summit Ministries. He warned that if we lose our moral compass and we allow no legal protection for the unborn and unrestricted abortion and gay marriage and then ultimately transgenderism, our moral vacuum would open the door for socialism and communism. Uh, some of our Catholic listeners are going to remember the name Fulton Sheen. Fulton J. Sheen was a, an incredibly powerful Christian thinker in the 50s and 60s. And he said that if we ever lose the Judeo-Christian moral foundation, we will become right for socialism. And that's exactly what's happening. And so I I say that because um, where we are as a culture, a number of Christian thinkers of times past really saw it coming. We need to pray, folks, and we need to share the gospel. That's right. Thank you, Alex. God bless. God bless you, I think. All right, folks. Today's issue is American Family Radio. Ed, myself, Ray, and we'll have Steve Jordahl in with us after the break. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.